guys and welcome to the Giving Hope Podcast. On today's episode, I am going on a walk and sharing what God has placed on my heart and a few thoughts about some certain areas on planning and preparing for the new season of where God is leading ministry. And um, I hope you enjoy it. Here's a walk with Angela. Happy New Year. I am so excited for this year. No matter what comes this our way, I know that God is in control and he will carry us through. Amen. Thank you for coming back to the second half of season four, Giving Hope Podcast. Starting off the year with a walk with Angela. Oh, goodness. It's a beautiful day. Of course, this is pre-recorded and airing probably a month after. So it'll be interesting to see what all has happened in that month from when I'm actually recording it to when it actually airs. I'll have to do a follow-up just to see how much has changed But I wanted to start off the new year by saying thank you all for following me, encouraging, being guests on the show, having such positive reactions and support from all of you blesses my heart. It has been a long journey starting a ministry that God has placed on your heart and stepping out in faith, especially whenever there's so much opposition and so many people telling you that you can't or just even discouraging you by the lack of support to get past that is a journey within itself and i'm just honored and blessed to have those of you that have helped this ministry grow come alongside me and experience this journey together. So what I wanted to talk about in this new year is preparation. Preparation for what's to come. So many times we go through life unprepared. We have an idea of preparation. We think of things that we could and want to do. We create the Pinterest board and (laughs) And get all the ideas on paper even. Purchase magazines and new books. Subscribe to different influencers. Like all the pictures. Save all the videos. Share all the TikToks. In preparation for something that we think is going to be amazing. Whether that's organizing our house. Starting a new journaling adventure. And writing books or homeschool, spending more time with our spouses, celebrating birthdays, whatever that may be. This is the time when all the new pens and papers get pulled out and we start planning. But here's the thing about planning. (laughs) A lot of times it doesn't go as planned. It's funny how that works. We can plan all day long, but if we don't put God's will first, 
it really is for naught. A lot of times for our own glory or our own ambitions. And whenever we place ourselves that in that position that only God should be, it usually turns out into something that's more painful and more troublesome or even doesn't even happen. It's interesting how that works. I find that with myself many, many times. Having that idea and wanting to rush into it because someone else does it. Someone else has that look and they look all the right parts and I want to be a part of that. So I start planning, who I want to join that. I want to be that type person or I want to be that type mom or I want to have that type of house and I go and I plan and then life hits because I, I'm not God and I don't know what's going to happen in the future. And then all those plans seem to crumble away. And because it was on my time and my goals and my ambition, usually heartache, sadness, anxiety, even depending on the plan, depression sets in and we give up. Now, not to say that all plans outside of God are bad. I'm just saying when we don't put God in the middle of it, ahead of it, around it, in the fiber of it, we are setting ourselves up to fail. It's when it goes awry, because humans are involved, and we don't expect what happens, then a lot of times we do get upset and we quit and we turn to other things or we get resentful to the person that we looked up to that we wanted to be like in their house to our house to Im, be in the image of or the family that we're trying to emulate because we were doing it on our own strength and our own power and our own timing and instead of God's I've done that even with ministry. I've had that, I'll show you, or <laughs> if she can do it, I can mentality. And that's how I launch off of, that's what, that's the platform I'm standing on, which is shaky ground, because that's not, and should never be our motivation. Well, if she's doing it, I know I'm better than her I know I'm smarter than that person. I know I'm a better speaker than that pastor. I know I'm this and I know I'm that. So I'm going to start my own thing without any regard to what God wants or what God's called you to. And that is the perfect ingredient for failure. And failure not in the fact that maybe not everybody's going to pay attention to you or follow you, but failure in the fact that it's setting yourself up to sin for resentment, for anxiousness, and depending on the plan, depression. So my prayer for you as we start this podcast, yes, that was a long intro, is that you pray through whatever plan you have ahead of you. 
you get in the right heart set, you get in the right mindset. Because if our hearts aren't set towards giving God glory, if our hearts aren't set to point those around us to Jesus and repentance and healing and deliverance, then we need to really evaluate our hearts and ask the Father to reveal that area in us so that we can get on the right path. And our plans can be his plans. The word of God says, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added to you. If you seek first the kingdom, your mental health will line up. If you seek first the kingdom, your marriage will get better. If you seek first the kingdom, your finances will line up. If you seek first the kingdom... People will follow you because in every heart is born a longing for the kingdom. Whether they know it's the kingdom or not, every single heart longs for it. And that's the plan. That's the ultimate goal is to direct people to the Father. Because what good is it to have 10,000 followers if 10,000 of those followers go to hell? What good is it to have all the likes and all the shares of every single person that shares, shared your post, your tweets, whatever, turn their back towards Jesus? Now, don't get me wrong. It is not your responsibility to get people into heaven. That's their choice. It's all free will. But the heart behind it, the fruit of post, people will taste and see that you are good or that God is good. And as a believer and those who, who I'm speaking to, that's what we should do. Point, point people towards Jesus. Pour our hearts out and show people who Jesus is. I've noticed this trend lately, and I've mentioned it many times before, but unfortunately the younger generation is just not hearing it and seeing it because, again, the plan, I believe, is to grow their pages. The plan, in their mind, is to get on board with a flow in the river that might guarantee them to be very popular. And it's a sensationalism in bashing the church. I bring this up because this is not how you want your year to start. And God places it on my heart every time I'm on social media and I see it. I pray about it. I seek the Lord about it. Lord, how do I address this in a way that doesn't come off as judgmental? But as a mother, an older sister in Christ, educating and teaching the younger generation to be mindful of their heart and the path and the plan that they're on. See, there's two different voices that are happening right now. 
that people who claim to be Christians are speaking. And I believe it is mostly to get the likes and the boost because it is sensationalism. It is a hot topic. And that is to tear down other ministers in Christ. Finding faults in ministries. The hot topic people that will get you tons of likes. If you bash is Joel Osteen, Bethel, Hillsong, Joyce Myers, Beth Moore, and many others. Kenneth Copeland. <laughs> What's odd is that there's lots of young men writing blogs and posts of why they think they're false teachers and heretics. And then those blogs, which take portions of certain people's messages, and they build a whole ministry off of bashing other ministers and, and ministries without ever experiencing it firsthand. Now, don't get me wrong. I've been a part of ministries and I've experienced wrongdoings firsthand. But let me say this, and I've said it before, and I feel like I have to say it again. If you cannot go to that pastor yourself and sit across the table from him and look him in the face or her in the face, your opinion has no, should be nowhere near out loud, spoken out loud, or taught on at all, period. Because what you are doing is you're creating strife. You're um, adding to the division of the body. And you are actively pursuing an ac accusation of the brethren. Which is exactly what Satan does. He is an accuser of the brethren. It takes a lot of guts to go to a pastor to their face and tell them this is what I have issues with explain this to me why do you teach this why did you say this and then it takes a whole lot more humility to love them through that season and pray for them I'm just going to say it you are a coward if you share and tweet and bash ministers and sisters and brothers of Christ without going to them in, in person. You're no more than a gossip and God hates gossips. So I would say the first thing when you're planning your ministry and you're evaluating what you want to do in your call and this moment forward for the rest of this year are you going to be on the side of the enemy pushing strife, division, and accusation and gossip? Or are you going to start your ministry off in prayer, intercession, love, patience, and forgiveness? Because you have no idea what others are going through. Just like I have said stuff that I know people have taken out of context and have left 
my ministry and fellowship with me as friends and then spread lies behind about me behind my back because they can't and they don't have the courage to come to me as a brother or sister in Christ and ask me what I meant by what I said. I only had one lady do that and I appreciate her to this day. I even told her that because I told a story and I promise this all ties together. I told a story at one of my Bible studies like early on, this was like four or five years ago. And uh, I told a, I told a story, sorry about the dogs, about a time whenever my oldest, who is now, will be 22 in a couple months, was probably four years old, five years old. Yeah, he was about five or six. Woke up from a nap and he was covered in whelps from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. Everywhere. In his mouth, ears. It wasn't mumps. It wasn't chicken pox. It was like this allergic reaction that rushed his body. And when he came and he woke, he woke up, he stepped out to the door. I could see his little body standing there in his little underoos <laughs> saying, Mommy, I'm itchy. <laughs> And having to figure out what was going on. Ryan drew a, an oatmeal bath. And I went in the bedroom. I said, here, take, take Nicholas. And I went inside that bedroom. And I shut the door behind me. And I said, listen here. I know the word. I speak the word over my children every single night. The word of God does not return void. Your job is to protect the next generation of the righteous. He has been given unto God. Do your job. And I spoke to the angels and the demons in that room. Don't touch my kid. Don't touch him. And she had issues with that. She said, tell me where... And she kept it to herself until she left. And then she private messaged me because she didn't have the wherewithal or the probably the verbiage to ask me to my face. And she didn't know me that well, whether or not I, you know, get all puffed up or it starts something. I understand that. Um, but she messaged me later. She said, I have to ask you a question. Where biblically does it say that we have the right to talk to angels? <laughs> or that we can talk to angels. And I was like, where do I start? <laughs> From the beginning? <laughs> uh, it's everywhere in the Word of God. Messengers coming to regular people. Pre-incarnate Christ coming to Abraham and Sarah. So I explained it to her and she was like, you know, I just never thought of it. Because she was never taught spiritual warfare. And uh, so, but she had the courage. I said all that to say, there was this teaching that she heard from me directly, not through a blog or someone else shared. It was a one-on-one. -on -one, and then she came to me directly instead of sending a friend or talking about it and sharing about it and posting about it. She came to me directly and she asked me the question. And I felt no animosity. I felt love towards her because I appreciated that she loved me enough 
to have the courage to correct me when she thought I was wrong. And of course I wasn't. <laughs> you don't resist the devil, the devil himself, by saying silence. You have to open your mouth. Life and death is in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Even God himself, Yahweh said, I have said before you, heaven and earth is a witness today. Whatever you say, life, death, blessing, and cursing, you will have. This is 100% biblical. And, uh, but she had the courage to say something to me, which kindled and started an amazing, beautiful friendship. That if I ask, if I call her right now and say, hey, I need you to pray for me. I need, uh, can you come over? Let's grab some coffee. That amazing woman of God will jump in her car or a pickup truck and she will head straight towards me praying the whole way because that's what brothers and sisters in Christ do. We do not set up tent in the camp of the enemy and throw fiery darts at our own let me say that again. We do not set up camp with the enemy and throw fiery darts at our own. That is a sign of weakness. That is a sign of cowardice. And that is a level of pride saying that you know more than the preachers and the teachers that have been in ministry longer than you have and have gone through the gauntlet of fire and have come out and are still serving God are they serving God the way you want them to? No. But what church is? What minister is? Doing things exactly the way you want them to. Again, if you have to think what I want, then that level of pride needs to be rebuked out of your life. Because one thing I've learned in the almost 44 years of life is that no man is perfect. Isn't that crazy? No man. My own father has, has said stuff from the pulpit that if one person took that one sentence and tweeted it, he would look like a bigot. But in context, you would be like, oh, I get where you're coming from. Yeah, I see that whole story and how it all ties together. But that's not what we get in today's society. And the fruit of that, this toxic backbiting and strife, has bled over and the instruments of it are being played out right before us in our own news media and television and commercials and everything that we ingest both visually and audibly is playing out the exact way that we see in the body of Christ. We are not supposed to be like this world. We are set apart. We are priests. We are called. We are peculiar people. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We do not use the tactics of the enemy in order to further the gospel. You're like, well, Jesus confronted the Pharisees face to face. He confronted them face to face. He also read their thoughts. Are you Jesus? No. Oh, but we should judge each other's fruit. Yes, if you're able to go to your brother face to face. Have the gall to go to them face to face. If you cannot, then shut your mouth and pray before God does it for you. You want a death sentence for your ministry 
start bashing his body when you don't know the full story. Did you know that Jesus died for Barabbas too? Jesus died for them. Jesus died for the thief on the cross. Jesus called the woman at the well. Those of you who are pointing fingers at the body of Christ when you haven't walked the road they've walked on, you're no, you're no better than the ones who had rocks in hand ready to condemn the woman for adultery. Put the rock down. You who are without sin, cast the first stone. And now a word from our sponsors. Now let's get back to our program. And pray. That's the armor of God. Helmet of salvation. Know who you are. Do you know who you are? Then no matter what any pastor says or minister says, it should not shake your identity because your helmet is securely fastened. You have your breastplate of righteousness, right standing with God. Ask yourselves, Truly ask yourselves, is this what God would want you to do? Shield of faith. That quenches, quenches every fiery dart of the enemy. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Are you building up ministries? Are you trying to destroy them because you don't agree with them? The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The word of God is truth. Speak the truth of God's word. Not opinions of men. God's word. That's why I love sharing scripture. I'll share posts about my life, but I'll 100% all the time share posts about scripture. No one can argue with that because it's not my opinion. It is the truth of God's word. The belt of truth. You have the truth of God and you shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And then the Bible says, and then pray. We should pray without ceasing. We have to. Why? Because where there's prayer, there is God. Conversations with the Holy One. We want to be in communion with Him. But if my plan and my, my, my goal is to be like I said, sensationalism, Christianity, where you bait click people because you want that boost, then peace, you're not walking in peace. Because God doesn't need that. He doesn't need your help. The word speaks for itself. And pray for each other. One could put a thousand to flight, two could put ten thousand to flight. I always think about what the children of Israel must have been like in certain situations. When the Ark of the Covenant came back to, to Jerusalem and David ran out in the streets, ripped his clothes and was dancing with all his might. And his wife was like, oh my gosh, please stop that. <laughs> Paraphrasing. And he was like, woman, I will get more undignified than this. How many people were standing in their balconies or looking on saying, he's supposed to be a man of God. You know, he was the chosen one day. 
I'm going to write about this. I'm going to tweet about this. I wonder why they don't have a book of the Bible rebuking a called man of God. And how many people were bowing at the, at the image of Nebuchadnezzar who were children of Israel, believers on Yahweh, but because they were scared and they moved with the crowd, were like, I can't believe them. Look at them. See, this is why I do what I do. They must be false because God brought us here. This was God's way. They should be bowing. Were the people who were standing, screaming for Barabbas instead of Jesus. Yeah, we knew he was a false prophet. We knew he wasn't real. We knew that couldn't have been our Messiah because he's supposed to be a king. Our Yahweh wouldn't bring this lowly man who thinks he's God. He would be, oh, we would be in places of authority. He would overthrow Rome and we would be the rightful heirs of the world. He must be a false prophet. Look at him thinking that he's king of kings and lord of lords. Foaming at the mouth to see him die because he didn't fit the narrative and the way they thought God should move. What does that sound like to you? Now, do you want to draw near to that? Or do you want to walk and your life be planned out the way God wants it to be planned out? It might not look the way others might think it should look. And that's okay. We serve a mighty God. A beautiful, powerful, fear, <laughs> feared, should be feared, God. Where you, you, we have no idea what the path people are on. So we pray for all. We don't know who is going to heaven and who is not. So we pray for all. We love all. This is something that is constantly on my heart because it truly breaks my heart to see, especially women, with an amazing call on their life, getting that call robbed because they want to be liked instead of following what Jesus truly wants. Jumping from one fad to the next, caring more about their image and what they look like to women instead of what they look like to God first. Seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added to you. I'd rather have one thief than 10,000 chanters. I would rather have one. You will see me in paradise, sir, ma'am, hallelujah, while everybody else is wanting <laughs> the flavor of the day and following true false doctrine and true false teaching. I'd rather keep my eyes out for the thief on the cross who's looking for truth, who's looking for love. Let me end with this. I don't attend Joel Osteen's church, but my sister did. She was an usher at his church. She had a hard time, and 
she had been in homeless shelters and she found herself in Houston and she was like, you know, my life is not going how I planned. I'm a single mom and I need help. And she was like, you know what? We live pretty close. Let's get in a bus and go to Joel Osteen's church. So she went. As soon as she walked in the door, she was greeted with smiles and hugs and love. And to this day, even though she's not a member anymore because she ended up moving, she talks about how much of an influence they had on her heart and her life and how she found the love of God like she had never found it before. Because here's what you don't know and what the news outlets won't talk about about Joel Osteen. One, he does not take a paycheck. He gets paid off the revenues of his books. Joyce Myers is the same. A lot of what they get paid for goes to ministry. Lakewood Church has a ministry for homeless people. They have their own homeless shelters. And what they do when you go to those homeless shelters, they put you on programs. Programs that will help you get off of government assistance. When she was there, she agreed to get on the program, which helped her pay off some debts, get into a housing project, and get on her feet. The couple that was in charge of her section, like if you're looking at the big stage, there's a section to the right and at the top, that's where my sister would, would usher. And they had leaders over those sections, county accountability partners, people make sure things ran smoothly because there's a lot of people. Just like they would had when Jesus fed the 10,000. We like to forget about that part, but I digress. And they heard Nicole's story and they were like, hey, we want to give you something. And they ended up giving her a car. No strings attached, nothing whatsoever. Nicole was able to drive that car to work, my niece to school, so she didn't have to take the city bus, because in Houston, there's a lot of drugs, a lot of gangs, and it's just not a very good place to live, honestly, especially in downtown area. And they were able to get her off, on her feet and off to a good start. Christmas rolls around. My niece was able to have a new bike that the children's ministry gave all the children brand new bikes and presents. More than some kids have ever seen before. People like to talk about all these wealthy people and where's the money going? I'll tell you exactly where that money is going. It's going right back into their community. You can believe the lies that jealous men sitting in positions of pastors have said, or you can hear firsthand knowledge of someone who actually has people there. Oh, by the way, my childhood friend, Jeremy Marone, is one of the associate pastors at Lakewood. I don't talk to Jeremy a lot. We've grown apart over the years, just like life happens, but he is a man of God, and we've asked him firsthand, how do y'all handle when Joel says stuff that y'all are like, that everybody's like, ooh, why do you say that? He goes, we hold a board meeting, and we talk it out, and we pray, and he has accountability partners, just like any pastor would. I know many pastors in my own community that don't, doesn't have nearly half, shoot, 
They don't have any accountability partners and they can just say whatever the heck they want to say. But that's not what the news media wants to share because that means they were wrong. And people don't like to repent whenever they're wrong. They want to keep on that road of self-righteousness. Because, again, bashing a pastor, one thing that's attached to it is pride. And that is the truth. Not only that, but they have places where people can go so they can purchase their first home. My sister said one time at a service, a whole bunch of gang members came in to disrupt the service. They were hugged on, loved on, sat next to people, women with diamonds, furs, whatever, and were loved on. And there was one service where they had security amped up because there were so many drug dealers that showed up to cause trouble. And by the end of the service, every single one of them were at the front, kneeled at the front of the altar, receiving Christ as their Lord and Savior. Right? So, so demonic, such false prophecy. Insert sarcasm. I say all this to say, be careful where you allow your ministry to go. Some people are trying to avoid true ministry and using the easy route of false ministry disguised as ministry, but it's really bashing the church, bashing the bride. That's not a ministry. You won't find that in the Bible. No, not one verse. Talk about taking things out of context. It is our job to pray for one another, to lift one another up. I can talk more about that subject. I'm not going to. I'm already home. I just walked quite a bit. <laughs> I'm going to sit on the front porch. You hear me walking through the grass. Sit on the front porch and finish this up. I forgive the sound of a skill saw going off in the backyard. Background. My neighbor's building something. <sighs> so what I want to end with this is make sure your plans line up with God's plans. And his plans are to bless people. His plans are to love this world to repentance. Teaching the world about his son and the sacrifice that was made to build a covenant to bring us back to him. If your plan doesn't line up with that plan, it's time to get a new plan. We need brothers and sisters out, out in the world that are champions for each other, not trying to dig and find information to tear each other up and down, but to cling to the word and fight the good fight together, arm in arm, no matter what denomination, no matter what state you belong to, what country, citizenship, non-citizenship, it doesn't matter. The enemy is out there killing 
and stealing and destroying lives over very petty issues because all it takes is a splinter in the shoe in order to divide and conquer. And I don't want to be that splinter. I don't want to be a thorn in someone's flesh unless it's the convicting power of the Holy Spirit causing someone to rethink their life and draws them closer to repentance. And even in that, I'm going to be praying for that person. I'm going to be speaking life over them. I'm not going to be hashing up past hurts and and dragging out in the mud and and continually um, bringing up things that they did in the past and calling it as their identity now. That is not how God works. All, All things have passed away. All things have become new. And unless I've sat and watched that person repent, I have no business and no place putting a condemnation on their ministry or on their life. Because I'm not God. Neither are you. So let's pray for one another. Let's start now. Lord, we just thank you for the body of Christ. Thank you for every single member in China, in Russia, in Europe, in Africa, in South America, in the United States, everywhere, Lord God. Thank you for each and every man, woman, and child that is fighting the good fight, sacrificing their flesh daily, getting up every morning and choosing to walk the best way they know how towards you. Lord, send messengers and lay people in their path to encourage them to keep their hearts repentant, to keep their armor on and keep fighting the good fight. Lord, watch my mouth. Help me to keep, guard my mouth, to help keep my words lined up with your word, that it's not me speaking, but your Holy Spirit Yes, it convicts, and I am thankful for the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. I am so thankful for your truth that cuts right down to the marrow. I am so thankful that your word loves so much that it calls me to die to myself and be crucified with Christ so I can live the righteous life that you have prepared for me. Thank you, Father, for that. Help me speak life to those around me. Help me be hope to those around me, that they want to be near you. They want to be close to you and they want to repent and turn from their wicked ways and be healed by you. I thank you, Father, for every brother and sister listening to this podcast. I pray a blessing over them. Lord, keep them and help them and guide them. Lift them up. Make every crooked place straight and every rough place smooth. Send angels encamped all around them. Every assignment of the enemy gets shut down right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Know, help them know that they are loved. Help them know that they are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses praying and interceding on their behalf so that they can finish their race with due diligence. I thank you, Father, for all your goodness and all your mercy. Every day of our life, every day is a new day to walk towards you. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' mighty, precious, matchless name we pray. Amen. Y'all have a blessed day. I don't know what what day this is going to air, but whatever day it is, God knew and saw it coming. And, and I'm just thankful for it, wherever he has us and wherever he has you. If you want to contact me, if you want to give to the ministry, go to givinghopeministries.com and um, continue to pray for this ministry, pray for those who are working hard to bringing hope to this world through the message of Jesus Christ. I love you guys and talk to you soon. Thank you guys for listening to Giving Hope. Please be sure to follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We'll see y'all next week.